So I got you a uh, white chocolate mocha. I know. It's freaking good. That's what you want. I haven't had Starbucks in a long time. Is it a girly drink? It seems like a girly drink. That's why I didn't even want to say it. I was like, yeah, just give me whatever you're having. Is there such thing as a girly drink? Coffee is non-binary. I keep telling people that. Hello and welcome to the Drunken Jaguar. I am Bentley Brown. Alongside me, in the person, is Ased Hassan. What's up, man? We're finally back together. It's been months since we've been like in person doing this, huh? It has been. It has been a while. So first things off here, I, I've got a fashion fabric mask. In the packaging. <laughs> in the packaging. Did you think it was just going to come like just me holding a mask for you or did you think it was going to be in packaging i did imagine you opening the door holding, <laughs> holding a, draping a mask off your fingers <laughs> it's in the packaging all right i'm gonna open it you ready yeah let's let's let our listeners hear this package open thanks there's not even like a slit to open yeah. oh, there you it's a nice mask and these were just sitting in the stadium they're like sitting in like the cup holders and like people are like rushing to, did I tell the story of like how people, one person started grabbing a bunch oh, yeah. and then I was like, yeah, I got to go grab a bunch. So I grabbed four, I think. Nice. Uh, instruction. The mask is for non-medical use only. It is recommended to be hand-washed before wearing. Oh, the Titans. What? You wrote that? <laughs> that would be so funny if they did write that. And you're supposed to hand-wash it. I did not know that. I threw that shit straight on my face. <laughs> we... Join you today after the Jaguars lost to the Tennessee Titans in Nashville, score of 33 to 30. I'm still processing this game. And one of my reactions is that we lost, but everybody seems happy. I wanted to ask you, what was it like to watch this game? You see, I thought this game would be more of a blowout than, you know, People thought the Colts were going to blow the Jaguars out, but I had a feeling the Titans would and they would run all over us. And first of all, to see Derrick Henry not, you know, run for 100 yards in the first play, great sign. It was it was a fun watch, wasn't it? That's like the most entertaining Jags-Titans game I've seen ever. I don't know. High scoring. When do you see the Jags and Titans in the 30s? You don't see entertaining games between these two teams. So it was, it was a fun watch. I saw the Jags and Titans in my 30s. Ew. <laughs> Get it? Nah, I got it. So you mentioned that Derrick Henry was under wraps. However, however, how did the game start? From what I remember, I poured a mimosa, and before the orange juice even got in it, Johnny Smith had a 70-yard reception and then a touchdown on top of that in the first drive. Well, it was the first minute and a half or something. They scored really fast, really which fast. happened against Indianapolis, too. So... It's got to be emphasized in the, in the coaching room, right? Because that's on the coaches. You got to have your guys ready to play, and they're not prepared at the beginning of the games, at least on defense. And you texted me that they were picking on Wingard. So Andrew Wingard, uh, you could say, clenched or really helped turn the tide against the Colts in week one with an interception. Um, he was already coming in to replace Jared Wilson, who's still injured. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of Wingard hype over the week. Uh, we had, he was featured on uh, John Ozier's podcast, The Ozone. We heard all his backstory growing up in Colorado, his adrenaline addiction, his readiness, just being ready for the moment, ready to hit the hit the field running. 
and he was definitely hitting the field running. <laughs> he was drive. running. <laughs> Not to the right areas. It's a tough situation. This is his first start. He's a kid from Wyoming. Like, no one ever gave him a chance, and they just threw him in the game. I'm sure he was hyped to be there, but it was the little things for him. You know, he was just a little late on plays. He, I don't I don't know what his ability is to cover tight ends, and that could be a problem because a couple of the plays, they were on him, and everyone noticed, and it was not a good look. But you can't give up on a kid like this that fast. You got to give him a chance. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Daniel Thomas, the Auburn safety, gets some reps too here next week. Disappointing, though. Disappointing game for him. Even say. the announcers were hyping him up. They were going through his list of like 25 nicknames. Dewey, Wingard, <laughs> Thor, Kid Rock. Kid Rock, they had the picture, right? Yeah. Come up on the broadcast. Yeah. Phil, the poor guy was kind of cursed. But. Yeah, it was a tough draw for him. It just started. And you know, when when shit starts bad, it's hard to recover from that for him, you know, for, for a young guy like that. Maybe got down on himself, but he's young. You, you gotta let, you, you gotta remember this about this Jaguars defense is what made me feel a little better. These guys are so young. So you would hope they can only get better. Well, that's one of our topics for today. Uh, I think it's good to jump to here is the Jaguars defense so far looks like our main liability. I mean, the offense has been something like a powerhouse, you could say. Definitely young, definitely making some mistakes here and there, but you can't deny the talent on the offense uh, all, all the way around position-wise, it seems like. For the defense, however, even though we have all this excitement about the 40s club, <laughs> which the announcers <laughs> like, spent three minutes talking about all the linebackers with their numbers in the 40s, and how they're they're so hard to block because they're wearing the number in the forties. Oh my forty. god, we've we've got what looks to be like some shortcomings on defense. So how do we address those? Is it just a you know depth thing? Like do we just pick up another safety from free agency and beef up that way, or is there something else we need to do? I, I heard some rumors. You know, they said, "Hey, let's go out and look for a safety." You know, right off top, I don't like that idea. You got to remember, like I said, these guys are young, so you, you got to let them play. And I. I find it hard to blame it on, you know, one area of the defense. Like, I don't want to say it's all in the secondary. Because a lot of the times, there's four guys rushing, and they can't get any pressure. And, you know, that's supposed to be the best part of our defense is that pass rush. Obviously, we drafted for it. And they were pretty non-existent, I would say. There's a couple third downs where they came through. One third down, Josh Allen got right to Tannehill, and he threw that beautiful pass to Humphreys where he just kind of put it in a, put it in a spot. Saw the free man coming. Great throw by Tannehill, really. But you got to get pressure consistently with four. And if not, Todd, did you also notice they called uh, Todd Walsh? Todd Walsh? <laughs> As they should. <laughs> As they should. And I was like, huh, that's funny. Me too, guys. Me too. But it's on him. You got to start bringing blitzes. You got to try different things. It seems like he's like, all right, well, we're just going to sit in the zone and just get picked apart. Drive after drive after drive. And that's it's not going to work. Especially when your offense is doing so much. To keep keep you in the football game, the defense needs to step up. Feels weird saying that. James Robinson. Um, when when the Jaguars dumped Fournette, and we all had varying degrees of existential crisis, the they soon announced James Robinson, our undrafted free agent rookie running back as a starter. They had previously said they would do a running back by committee kind of thing, but we had Armstead uh, and Ozigbo out. Around the same time, Zigbo, I think, on IR. Mm -hmm. So, my question to you is: As we look at James Robinson and his performance in this game, 
He rushed for 102 yards. He had something like 38 yards receiving all over the place. He started to have some breakout runs. Can't wait for him to have his first, like, you know, 60-yarder all the way to the end zone. He had something almost like that this game. Got tackled, uh, caught up with him. And then he, and his touchdown uh, was like a 15-yard touchdown or something. It was a, it was a good run. Was, was, a, was a decent run. Like, that mm-hmm. would have obviously been longer had he not reached the end zone. Is James Robinson a true primary back, or are we still in a running back by committee situation? It's going to be running back by committee. And I've also noticed a lot of teams are doing the same thing now. It's gone away from this whole, you know, running back one, you know, unless you have Christian McCaffrey who's hurt now or Saquon Barkley who's also hurt now. But other than that, you see a lot of teams throwing one, two, three running backs at you, which is the thing to do these days. Even if one's a pass catcher, one's like a true runner, they mix it up a lot. I think he will be the guy who definitely has the most carries easily but when it comes to pass catching situations i can tell he kind of struggles in it even though he did make a a nice one-handed catch actually yesterday but chris thompson made that great catch in the end zone that sick great throw but just for a running back that's just a great catch i think chris thompson and rock will kind of share duties and james robinson will be he will be the runner he will right. be running for so us all season. So it's kind of a mixture, you're saying, then. They're going to have running back a committee. We've already outlined several backs that have their unique strengths. Mm-hmm. But that Robinson is going to be the go-to for these like first down, second down. Easily. No question about it. Through two. In the beginning, they didn't have a true runner in the first place. Not Chris Thompson. Not Armstead. So, I mean, I didn't even know who's going to run the ball. But it's obvious. This guy, he's the real deal. And I, I love him because he doesn't show much emotion, which you know some people like and stuff. But... Makes a long run, gets up, hands the ball to the ref, walks back, straight face. On his touchdown, same thing, you know? He's just, I think he's just happy to be there, honestly. I don't think you could see it in, in his face or anything. But man, he's good. He's fun to watch, too. He, he runs up and down, north and south, which is what I love. I know east and west stuff. He's not like Leonard Fournette trying to, you know, run into his own guys or trying to run someone over. He's just trying to get positive yards. He runs the ball like it's supposed to be ran. Yeah, and Doug Marone said that he he's he's not someone that's gonna he's gonna lose you yards. He's making good decisions already. Mm-hmm. This is consistent with how he performed in the uh, training camp as well, the preseason, if you will. Yeah. All right. So uh, one of the stats people were throwing around is that Robinson, he's like averaging. I don't know what the average now is like eighty-five yards a game or something. It's the most that any Jaguars running back has started off their career with the Jaguars running, which is pretty sweet. Uh, bodes well for Mr. Robinson. With Minshew, though, with Gardner Minshew, the quarterback, we've got some similar stats. I think one of the ones was first time any Jaguars quarterback has strung together three games of three touchdowns or more in a row. Ever. Yep, that was it. And that includes, obviously, last uh, last season's uh, final game. Yep. So Gardner Minshew is, of all the Jaguars players, probably the closest to some sort of like a national debate. The NFL knows the Jaguars is the team that is tanking for Trevor. Generally speaking, we can no longer uh, acknowledge that as Jaguars fans, but also as like objective, which we're not objective, objective observers. It just doesn't look like they're tanking. I think even if they wanted to tank, as you mentioned before the season started, people like Gardner Minshew, uh, DJ Chark, you know, these, these guys, they, they, they have chips on their shoulder and they're, they're ready to excel. They have no interest in tanking. So my question to you is it, at what point do we realize that Gardner Minshew has established himself as franchise QB? It has to be franchise QB because 
the argument is if he's if he's just playing well but he's inconsistent or he's never going to blossom into something franchise the franchise could be i don't know what the freaking oxford english dictionary yeah, for <laughs> franchise quarterback is. yeah if it's like you know five seasons of good production or, or like you know 15 years of your future that you're going to dedicate to this team or or do you think that there's no way this season that he no matter what that he establishes himself as a franchise qb and he's just going to be lost to the hype of the 2021 draft which may not be trevor lawrence but might be someone else it could be but that's the thing though it comes down to trevor lawrence or not for a team like jacksonville even they, like justin fields or? i mean i think justin fields is the best quarterback in the class He's Justin not, Fields not, is not as easy of a alliteration. Like it's tank for Trevor. Yeah. And then what do you do? You jump for Judd now. Yeah. You can't jump for him. So. I was actually trying to think of this because I was trying to text it in our group message. And I was like, J, 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 jerk for Justin. That doesn't sound <laughs> right. All right. Let's move on. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, the explicit rating. <laughs> yeah. I think it's Trevor Lawrence or not. But like when you start winning games, well, we won one, but. I think everyone has the feeling that this is going to be a team that is not going to get the first pick. So that throws Trevor Lawrence out that fast because he's going number one, no matter what the thing is, is Gardner it. Cause you can't say, Hey, let's start tanking games. Let's start losing. Cause then what are you going to do? Draft a different quarterback and put him in place for Gardner. There's quarterbacks in this league, Daniel Jones, Kyler Murray that were drafted early and they're good franchise quarterbacks, right? They haven't put in their time. They haven't put in their work. Because they were, you know, high prospects coming to the NFL. That's why they're QB1, franchise quarterback. Gardner Minshew is, he's a franchise quarterback from what we've seen. But I can't judge this early. I want to give him six to eight games, maybe. Maybe maybe even 10 games and see really what he's about as the season goes on. Because, of course, it is about consistency. I get it. He's done it twice. I get it. He was good, la- you know, last year a little bit. But can he win games for this team? And sometimes on his own when, when the defense is playing bad, which is what he tried to do yesterday, which shows a lot to people. You know, you're down two possessions damn near the whole game and you keep striking and then you go down two possessions and then you strike again. He's willing his team down the field. Oh, do you see his face after the interception he threw? Rough. The fourth one, he's, he's just cussing at himself. He knew it. He's like, oh, I messed up. It's impossible not to like this guy. So it's impossible to root against him which makes it impossible to say he's not a franchise quarterback if you're a Jaguars fan. Yeah, I don't know how to put this other than um, what the f*** is the difference between Trevor Lawrence coming in with his flashy hair. Minshew's got the hair, right? You got the Trevor hair. Lawrence coming in with his potential. Well, Minshew's got the potential. I mean, what the hell would... I mean, Trevor Lawrence, second season, starting off throwing three pick... Uh, three, sorry, three touchdowns a game. These picks, uh, to be honest, are fairly rare. We're not used to Gardner Minshew throwing picks. What, the, what, what, what would be better... Statistically, performance-wise, take any first-round quarterback who name me one that's playing better than than Gardner Minshew from last year or even the last a couple two, years, three years. I mean, other than Pat Mahomes, I mean, of course, you know Deshaun Watson. But I mean, that that's a little bit ago. I mean, if we're talking about like Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, you know, he had a lot of hype under him, and they they thought the Broncos were going to be for real because of him. And it's funny because Gardner never got this respect. Like, it was crazy. Like, the Denver media hyped up Drew Locke so much, which I think Drew Locke is pretty good. Right now he's hurt, so we'll see later on. But he didn't look amazing in his first game. Gardner looked amazing in his first game. Kyler Murray, that's a different story. This guy's developing into a star. I got to, like, watch his game yesterday, even though it was against Washington. That dude can play, man. (laughs) But and it's good for Gardner, though, because he has kind of this – 
uh, same limitations as Gardner does. He's short. So they get him out of the pocket. Why don't we do that with Minshew? It's, a lot of it comes down to coaching and play calling. And they were talking about that on the broadcast. They have to make Minshew's life a little easier. Yeah. You know, or else he, we know he's short. We know he has trouble throwing, you know, out of the pocket sometimes. So move him out, get him mobile, yeah. be creative like they are with Kyler. I'm sure they'll, they'll be looking at a lot of tape this week. Yeah. Um, you know, Minshew sits down after some of these plays. He whips out that Microsoft Surface <laughs> yeah. sponsor yeah. shit or whatever, which I find kind of interesting. I don't know what your, ta- your take is on like watching replays of things you just did. I know a lot of players look up at the uh, the video board to mm-hmm. see insert replays, kind of critique good or bad. Um, in the film world, so I'm in filmmaking as I do my PhD here and shit. So in the film world, you there are some directors that don't want actors to watch their dailies, like they're like basically the the raw footage of what they how they performed that day because it's going to mess with their mind, like their psyche. Do you think that this is something that <laughs> looking at tape that Gardner will, will and the team coaching will show drastic improvement? I think especially for a young quarterback, it's important to watch the tape. And even for the older ones, how much did you hear about Tom Brady and how he would sit and watch tape over and over and over? And he would love it, of course, because he's Tom Brady. And he he had a lot of tape. They had all kinds of like hidden GoPros in the locker room with the Jets. (laughs) They had like telescopic lenses in the Bengals stadium. They did have some exclusive footage. That is true. But it's good for him to watch his mistakes, especially as a young guy. He needs to know where he went wrong. And, you know, it's a good opportunity right after it happens. Hey, this is what I was seeing. I can watch it without, you know, having people rush me right now. It's good for them to see it. They need to see their mistakes. Well, let's move on to a big topic here with the Jaguars, which is the front office. Oh, God. And we we were critical the whole offseason. I think we still should be to an extent. But to see the Jaguars come out and play with all this hype and potential and accomplishment the last couple of weeks, you can't help but go back to some of Doug Marone's like overly optimistic comments <laughs> that we thought were total propaganda <laughs> and be like, this guy, he was right all along. Dave Caldwell is another area of interest here. Oh. We've been criticizing him nonstop and it looks like all these moves have worked some magic it's almost like reminds me when the oakland athletics and baseball were known for the money ball mm-hmm. strategy just a totally different way to approach building a team and and so i mean i don't know i don't know if there's going to be a movie called uh boy scouts ball or something <laughs> with, with brad pitt acting as dave caldwell but is the front office a group of lucky bastards who failed to tank well or is this all part of the plan? Um, it could be a little bit of both, but honestly, I I feel like the front office front office is like, hey, why are you guys playing so well? In a way, <laughs> they're like, this is not part of the plan, man. We're supposed to lose. I don't know. I just don't trust them. That's why, and I'm I'm sure they. I have a feeling that Dave Caldwell does not want Minshew as the future quarterback, but I think the coaches might think a little differently. I don't know what Doug Marone thinks, but I mean, Jay Gruden's him and Minshew seem like they have a nice chemistry going early on. And you saw after he threw his first pick, Jay Gruden went right, right to him. They sat down, opened up the Microsoft surface and they took a look at it and they have a nice chemistry going because again, I liked how Jay Gruden called the game. So yeah, back to what we were talking about. I don't know if the front if this is the plan to be honest, and I feel like they're going a little off script on the plan. But you can't tell guys 
in the NFL, hey, we're going to go lose games. You know, no one's going to say that. But I have a feeling deeper inside that office, they're like, we want, we want that number one pick. We, you know, we want to go get Trevor Lawrence. Do you think they, sub, at least like subconsciously, maybe they don't admit it. Yeah, they're not going to say it. And I'm sure they're not going to say it to the players. You can't just go tell guys that, that we're going to lose or that we want to lose. Because then they're going to do what the rest of them did. Like, get me the hell out of here, man. Yeah. I'm not going to play for a guy like these guys that want us to go out and lose. Yeah. And no, like we talked about earlier, the importance of tape. Like, no one wants to look bad on tape. So we're in the generation of highlight reels yep. and everything. <laughs> So, you know, at the individual level, you're going to want to want to go out there and give it all you got. You have to. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay. So regardless of whether or not like Dave Caldwell slash Doug Marone slash even Shotgun believe that the team was going to tank or they, you know, sort of wanted them to tank, are the Jaguars this season? And hopefully I'll knock on like every type of wood I got. (laughs) Are the Jaguars regardless a model? For how to build a young team. No, they are definitely not. What, just are you judging from just this year, a couple of years, just last five years? This year. This year was a drastic one, right? And okay. Here, let me set it up for you. Free agency. All during the offseason in general. We let go of tremendous talent, but also big contracts. We waived Leonard Fournette. So we waived who you would have thought was one of our maybe superstars or stars mm-hmm. uh, who shout out to Leonard Fournette had a, a hundred yard rushing game. Two touchdowns too. Yeah. yeah. He had yeah. a good game. So you say they're not a model. I mean, they, they, they did what all responsible humans should do. They cut their, uh, <laughs> the big losses. But, <laughs> like, <laughs> wasn't that for different reasons though? It was, it was for, you know, because the mounts on some of these players and the culture, but I don't, necessarily think it's a model just like what you said i mean they just had to cut the toxic toxic people out of the building get them out bring in some young guys with good attitudes which i feel like everyone does have a good attitude but i wouldn't say they're a model for anything and saying that they are a model would mean that in the next couple years we're going to make some playoff runs or make it to the playoffs right so i'll let you know at the end of the year if this is a model yeah all right next next up uh with the jaguars here i want to ask you when is our big upset coming? I think the Colts already was was an upset, but uh, if we are to prove that we're a legit division, at least division contending team, which I know I'm I'm overreacting, right? I'm optimistic like everybody else on Twitter and stuff. We watched this game. We lose yesterday. <laughs> we lose against the Titans, no. and I'm still happy. Uh, maybe maybe just because like the start messed with my mind, and I wasn't expecting to even be close. But at some point. We're, we're going to have a big upset. I mean, we have Dol- Dolphins, Bengals next, the Texans in six or seven. We don't play. Our schedule is fairly easy. Green Bay, when do we play Green Bay? Because we beat them. Green Bay is November 15th. Okay, so that's a bit away. Yeah, so at, it's a, at Green Bay. There's no fans, right? It's cold. It's very cold, especially at that time. It'll was, was start getting even colder. I mean, it looks like the Dolphins, Bengals, Texans, Lions... Uh, maybe the Chargers, then again the Texans, right? All of those games would not be considered like the season-defining upset, yeah. right? I mean, at this point, it's not even about upsets. It's just when against who's in front of you, you know? Yeah. You just play who's in front of you. And, and the it. Texans wouldn't be an upset either because they don't look very well. Or else you, on a normal season, I would probably say, yeah, like a Texans, us beating the Texans would be big. But I don't know about this year. It'd be interesting. So it sounds like we're already a pretty quiet team. NFL doesn't really take notice. And that we don't have any many matchups that would 
raise us to prominence. So no. even with a decent record, we'll still probably be on the uh, silent side of things. People will talk about us if we win. If we be, if we can beat Miami, Cincy, and you go to three and one, maybe it'll start to people will start to talk a little bit. It, I mean, it's the Jaguars, so for one, they have to do like something spectacular to even, you know, get the national media's attention. Like yesterday was a fun loss, but people aren't going to feel that way if we lose to the Dolphins, even if it's close. Ooh, Dolphins is huge. We got to dominate. We got to come out with confidence now, man. Yeah, it's the feeling. That I had 2017 with our defense. Our defense goes on the field. I'm like, all right, we have the upper hand now. They're intimidated by us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to jump the gun here, but our offense, I think, is is so far tearing defenses apart when it when it needs to. But uh, I think for the Dolphins, we should be the ones coming out with the first score, right? We should be going up 14 nothing. It would be huge, and that's where it all begins. We even talked about this last season. You know, you've got to score first and take the pressure off of your defense for one. And in our case, we really need to take the pressure off of our defense. So if Minshew drives the team down the field once, even twice, if they go up 14-0, it's going to give the defense, you know, something to play for. Like, hey, man, they're doing their their job. Let's get our stops now. It's time. This is a game I think the Jaguars are expecting to win. The coaching staff is, is expecting to win. And we as fans are expecting to win this game, right? I don't think Tua will actually make his first start. I was thinking maybe because it's a semi-primetime game, hey, maybe throw them in, right? Give them some spotlight. Ryan Fitzpatrick's been very consistent in the beginning of seasons. Their defense isn't bad. We're going to get out coached. They have a great coach, Brian Flores, who worked under Belichick for years. They're a pretty solid team. There's just nothing that jumps out at you. It's like if someone was asking, like, oh, what are you worried about with the Jaguars? They'd be like, uh, nothing, you know, from an outside perspective. But they have some good pieces, and... They're a developing team just like the Jaguars are, but they are a little bit ahead of us where you know people are expecting, hey, give them a year or two and they'll be a playoff team right away. But they played well against the Bills yesterday, which is kind of scary because the Bills are playing pretty good football and they hung in there. So, Josh Lambeau. <clears throat> Got the squib kick, which uh, set up the... one well, I'm setting up the Titans for a field goal. That was essentially the difference in the game. So a lot of ways you can go back and cut up the score and say this led to this, led to that. But that definitely messed with his mind, I think. And it the did. missed extra point was just like a shocker. Is there anything to worry about there? Absolutely not. I think it was a bad day. You could He was beating himself up about it. They kept going to him on the camera, right? And he was just, you could tell he's just like, shit, shit. Because we don't expect that from him. And I think he will recover from this beautifully. He made a few mistakes. The extra point, I get it. Like, we expect him to make that. But guys miss all the time. Just because someone that you're not used to missing misses once, you know, because they missed an extra point. We would have got it. We would have went up one. Well, what would the end result be still? They would have drove down the field and kicked a field goal and they still could have won. Maybe like mentally it'd be different for the Titans, but same result. You know, you can't, if, if we were to go back on every play and be like, this is why we lost. This is why we lost. We can find a million. We can find the Miles Jack penalty that they called on third and six or whatever, which gave a first down, which would have been a punt. We could go back to a million things. Minshew's pick on if Colin Johnson didn't put his hand up. Yep. It was a Minshew's fault when Minshew took the sack for negative 20 yards, which I don't know what the hell he was doing on that play. That was insane. That was really that was a really a dumb play. That was a dumb play by him. You think he tried he tried to escape? You think he thought he still believed he could make it out? I don't think so. It looks like he was looking down the field. He just took too long. Like there's two, three seconds where he could have just tossed the ball away. There's nothing there. Even you know, where you don't see like the all 22 view but 
obviously if he's holding the ball still like no one's open bro just throw it away i think he just tried tried to make something some, out of nothing there's some madden shit yes that's literally what happened to madden. almost as madden as another game i wanted to bring up as we shift towards the nfl uh too is the, the cowboys yesterday oh my goodness like 40 to 39 victory against the falcons oh, they were down crap. just like the jaguars they were down, down by like a couple scores or something early on uh things look out of sync and suddenly they they just like wrap put together this comeback with a magical onside kick. Did you see that onside kick? Yeah, I just want to know, like, do I not know the rules of football or do they not know the rules of football, the, being the Falcons? Yeah. What the hell is going on? It just looks like eight dummies just looking at the ball. Yeah. Like, I was like, I guess what you just can't touch on? it in the 10 yards. I mean, this has been updated recently, I think, too. But is it? Right. That's got to be it. It's just, but how come no one's done that little, like, slidey, spinny thing? They had this, like, Zlatan Ibrahimovic little. Yeah. <laughs> That the second it passed 10 yards, Cowboys jump on it. They got the ball. Tons of momentum. Go down and win the game. It's insane. It was pretty amazing, honestly. In- incredible game. Let's keep it around the NFL. What other stories do you have? Superstars getting hurt. You saw everyone on the 49ers got hurt. Jimmy G got hurt. Nick Bosa's done for the season. Mostert, their running back, is hurt. And Tevin Coleman's hurt. So that's two running backs out for them. Solomon Thomas got hurt, who was picked like fourth a couple, three years ago or so. Saquon, very sad, hurt. Can't even think of it. There's just so many injuries. Paris Campbell for the Colts, he got hurt. A lot of injuries. Um, fortunate the Jaguars haven't really battled any injuries. I saw Linder went out, but Doug Marone's pretty optimistic about him coming back soon. I thought Shatley played pretty decent, though, when he did come in. The football's looking, looking good, though. I mean, it was an entertaining, very entertaining week. Players like Mitch Trubisky, he's back, apparently. You know, Nick Foles... Teams might start trying to trade from him. I heard the Broncos might even go go out and, hey, you want to come play for us? Because they're 2-0. The Packers, they had a lot of doubt this season. They're playing well. And the Lions have lost like nine straight games dating back to last season. So Matt Patricia might be out. People think Josh Allen's for real. And I'm starting to get on that bandwagon after all the shit I talked about him when he got drafted. Not our Josh Allen. Not our Josh Allen. I always would joke with my Bills friend. Like, yeah, we, we got the better Josh Allen. I was pretty um, irritated this morning, so I listened to Colin Coward's show pretty much every day. And he went on this whole rant about how the Bucks are so dangerous and people thought Leonard Fournette couldn't play and blah, blah, blah. Here he is. Look how good he is. He's so great. And it's like, dude, like you literally trashed us for having him like a year ago. And now he's uh, on the Bucks, and now he's like, the greatest gift God's ever given. It's just irritating. The narrative changes when you're a Jaguar player and you're a someone else's player. Hopefully we see that change this season. Hopefully. Let's be real. Gardner Minshew's people are gonna like him. They're gonna they're gonna be like, Yeah, Minshew, he's he's really cool, but no one's ever gonna be like, Oh yeah, that guy's a he's a great football player. It's easier for people to say, like, oh yeah, I I dig how he looks and you know, his you know, his swagger, but they'll never be like, oh, he's a great quarterback. So I think this Thursday night game will change a lot because people are wanting football. I'm sure tons of people watch like every Thursday night game. I watch pretty much every Thursday night game, no matter who's playing. I think it'll give people a better look at the Jaguars. I think James Robinson's name will become a little more popular after Thursday. Man, I'm over under on his uh, ability to break out like a 50 yarder on Thursday. Oh man, he's so good. And I, 
LaVisca Chenault really impressed me. Oh. I'm such, I'm just so high on him right now. Every time he runs the ball, dude. Pro ready. He is pro ready, doesn't he? He just looks the part. Yeah. He goes in there every play. Saw him smiling yesterday. He's having a good time, but he's still serious. Mm-hmm. He catches everything. Yeah. He doesn't have a drop yet. He got tackled for the first time. He got tackled for the <laughs> first time. Even when he runs the ball, he runs it like a damn. I think that's what you told me, yeah, too. Like he runs yeah. it like a running back. He's our running back, too, right now. Mm-hmm. I'm happy for him. DJ Chark, I'm glad I saw a long ball yesterday. Minshew to Chark. What a catch by DJ Chark. It's going to be hard for DJ Chark because this Jaguars offense has so many weapons. Yeah. Which is funny to say, but they really do. So I'm going to go know. on record right now and say, in a good way, Uh-oh. I'm not knocking anybody here. Uh, we get the final stats for the season in, and the leading Jaguars receiver in terms of receptions is Keelan Cole, SR, baby. I think, I think so, too. Leading in terms of reception. Ark's going to be the longer stretch guy, right? He's going to yeah. average like, like 15 yards a catch or something. I think Cole will lead in touchdowns, too, yeah. actually. Keelan Cole. Oh, my gosh. You know I love talking about Keelan Cole, man. You played good again yesterday. I saw you hyping up his face mask. I was like, what the hell? This is pretty pretty unusual. I saw that, too, like on the broadcast. <laughs> Yeah, if you haven't seen that, go check out our Twitter handle at Junkin Dragwar, the Junkin Jaguar podcast Twitter, to see a picture of Keelan <laughs> Cole's mask on the sideline. It's epic. If you're looking for, if, if last year was the Minshew mustache and bandana for Halloween, if you can find a helmet that looks like <laughs> Keelan Cole's, you are going to kill it on October 31st. And one last player that I had to, had to bring up is Miles Jack again. He was so good again. People are saying because now he's, you know, that weak side linebacker. It's more natural to him. He can roam around. He wasn't made for middle linebacker. And those people are probably right because mm. he's playing out of his mind. So I'm I'm happy for him. It's good to see him back on the field. You know, one of the guys that we paid and kept, you know, playing well and playing as a leader. Well, thank you all for joining us on this episode of the Drunken Jaguar. I'm Bentley Brown. I'm on Twitter at Weld Brown. And I'm a said at that young said. We look forward to joining you next week. Primetime game on Thursday. After the Jaguars. Uh, I don't want to say anything. Yeah, don't, right, don't, so don't do it. Don't I'm do it. Excited. Yeah, just be excited for it. Let's man. do it. Let's go. We're so excited. So. Go Jags. Go Jags. Go Jags.